What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You're listening to Nightmare on Film Street. The current time is 6.66. Traffic is clear ahead from here to the afterlife. But it's hell outside. For the next hour, you're on Nightmare Time. So, let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to Nightmare Alley, the spooky little side street podcast in the regular Nightmare on Film Street feed. I'm John. I'm Kim. And we are in Kansas City, Missouri this week for Panic Fest 2023. So we're bringing you an interview that we did with Joe Lynch earlier this week, talking about a secret screening that he's hosting, and also teasing his uh, upcoming H.P. Lovecraft adaptation, A Suitable Flesh. Yeah, and he's also doing a anniversary screening of From Beyond with Barbara Crampton uh, coming along with, and she's in his new film, so I'm interested to see if we get a tease of it. Right? I, if, if, we're, if we're not secretly seeing that whole fucking movie, then we're at least getting, like, a really cool gory moment from it. I can't wait. Yeah, it was a really fun chat. We talk about everything from Panic Fest and how cool it is to uh, erotic thrillers, a whole bunch of drive-in recommendations. There's a ton of fun stuff in this episode. So we released it in the regular schedule because we were like, fuck it. Yeah, no, it was a really fun chat. Uh, Joe Lynch, definitely the current record holder for the person who came with the most double features programmed for a drive-in on this podcast. (laughs) Also, we talk about High School Musical for some reason. Turns out he's a big fan. We'll be here covering Panic Fest all weekend long and into next week. So if you want to see our reviews and our highlights from the festival, check out nofspodcast.com. If you are in town, we are hosting Vampire Happy Hour today, Thursday, when this episode drops from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. ahead of the Renfield screening. And we have some seriously cool cocktails, some horror trivia. There's going to be a Dracula impression off. And we're going to make somebody hold garlic for the whole night. Yeah, it's going to be a blast. It's going to be super fun. Come drink a cocktail in a blood bag. You're going to love it. Anyway, here's our interview with Joe Lynch. Joe, thank you so much for joining us today, man. We're really excited to talk to you. It's so good to see you guys again since last Panic Fest when we were hanging out. And uh, yeah, I, 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 I try to take you know Panic Fest as a, uh, as a national holiday. It should be a global <laughs> holiday, if you will, when you get to see those relatives that you haven't seen for you know, at least 364 days a year. Um, but yeah, I like, I, it's, it's when you reached out, it was like, 
oh my God, I get to see John and Kim again. You know, <laughs> just like everybody else at Panic Fest too, because it's become like so much a part of our lives in a way, uh, because it's such a community and such a family. So can't wait to whoop it up with you guys again, but I'm glad that we get to talk about things here too. Yeah, well, this is like your what, like 90th time going to the festival? <laughs> no, you know. You're like Adam the patron saint to... of Panic Fest at this point. <laughs> I'm more of the grumpy uncle. Uh, or no, no, I wouldn't. No, maybe the drunk uncle of uh, of Panic Fest, if anything. At, at this point, it's those goddamn slushies. I swear <laughs> to God, those slushies are lethal. Um, but no, uh, Panic Fest has been such a staple in my life since, I guess, 2017, when um when i first went out with adam green because we did um uh we did movie crypt out there but we also showed uh mayhem and i think victor crowley showed there as oh, well man. but um oh it was it was such a great year but it was you know when you do film festivals and you you do enough of them in a way you start to kind of curate towards the ones that you really enjoy whether it's the people the programming the um the way that it's set up the theater itself and the screenland armor is you know such an amazing theater to see movies in to begin with and then you get you know the fact that they have booze and pizza <laughs> and burgers and stuff like that you can't go wrong but then since then um since 2020 when adam was just like do you want to come out and i'm like really okay <laughs> like for you no know. reason yeah but all well but at the same time you know he was i i think because we've talked so much about movies and you know part of the reason why i love cinema so much is that we get to talk about them and we get to show them and you know like i i was that kid who would go to parties with a copy of you know richard stanley's hardware going like hey guys you want to watch this instead <laughs> you know or return of the living dead and they're just like look dude we don't want to hear about your zombie tits movie one more time <laughs> like we'd rather just like get fucked up and everything and i'd be like oh but i got the vhs from the video store like <laughs> like i love being able to share movies so when we started talking about you know doing that where we would show not obscure movies but movies that maybe would be underappreciated might not have been seen in the theater in a while and you know we did hardware that first year in 2020 and it seemed to go well enough where when Panic Fest went back to in person again, uh, you know, back in 2022, uh, Adam reached out and said, you know, would you guys want to show another movie kind of like what we did with hardware? And at that time, I had just seen Surf 2, uh, not then not to be confused with Surf 1 because there is no Surf 1. <laughs> and um my uh, my girlfriend Becca was working on it at the time, uh, doing something for um, Vinegar Syndrome. So we watched it, and it was one of those like, oh my god, I have to see this movie with a crowd. And it just kind of lined up with Adam saying, "Hey, do you want to show a messed up movie with you know with an audience?" And at the time, we were like, "Well, maybe we should show something dark and messed up, like I don't know, a Serbian film or uh, Ebola Syndrome, something that would really just like elicit walkouts." And yet. I, I said, well, why not surf too? Let's make something, let, let, let's watch something fun, especially if we're going to watch it on a Saturday afternoon when most people are probably hung over. Let's do yeah. something where it's <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah, light yeah. and fun and frothy. And that movie, if you haven't seen it, is it's a party movie, you know, and, and it could not have gone better for a Saturday afternoon at 1 p.m., uh, it was it was like hanging out with a bunch of friends at a sleepover that just extended all the way into Saturday, you know, um, and, and that's what made us you know, like I love Panic Fest for so many reasons. But the fact that they've been willing for me to go back and enjoy 
obscure and messed up and fun cinema the way that we do every Friday night when we do like a marathon, very much the way that like Joe Bob and the last drive-in does it where it's like, you want to be able to have these communal experiences with people. And it doesn't always have to be the same movies. You know, it can be movies that you've never heard of or would go, I've never seen that on the big screen. I might never see that on the big screen. Hell yeah. And yeah. that's, you know, that's that's part of what makes Panic Fest such a beautiful experience is you get to see old movies, especially new movies that might not, you know, reach the screen or might not have the audience that it deserves, you know, at the time that it's been made or what have you. But, but yeah, it's 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 an amazing environment and experience and, and great people too. That's great. We we caught Surf 2 last year when when you came to screen it and it was like the perfect the perfect Saturday afternoon experience because I think we were hungover. We like showed up, like marched our way in with our giant boozy slushy at 1 p.m. <laughs> Park. It's the, the perfect Bloody Mary type movie where you're just like, oh man, I don't you know what? I don't want to talk to anyone. I just want to just like chill here for a little bit. And what's funny is that that was kind of like what Scare Package 1 was when we saw it um, in 2020. They played it, I think, on like Saturday afternoon at 1 p.m. And it just had such a fun, boisterous tone to it. And I remember sitting there hungover going like, oh, God, I don't want to do. And then immediately, like, I was like, all right, I'm ready to you know start my day. And we need those movies, you know, and, and I think yeah. that that's fun. Now, that said, the movie that we're doing this year which is still a secret still not saying a word uh that's going to be on friday night uh at 10 45 um and let, let let's just say that it is the perfect friday movie oh yeah bar none okay. so i mean you guys if you guys want to grill me on it that's fine i don't I, know i when do want to grill you on it. <laughs> that's a good um, sell though just that it's a friday night movie like as a horror fan like that sells me <laughs> But here's the thing. Here's here's one hint I will give you. It might not be a horror movie. Mm. Or it might be a horror movie to some, but I wouldn't necessarily <laughs> classify. I mean, I wouldn't classify Surf 2 as a horror movie. That's no, that was no. one, that was one of the things that got me jazzed about even thinking about what to show next cuz how the fuck do you do you top Surf 2? I like that that was a bit a, the thing that we've we've been deliberating about for since we left uh, Panic Fest last year, we we're like, if they ever ask us, if they don't run us out of town and they ask <laughs> us back, what are we going to top that with? Yeah. And th this one movie, and again, I'm going to be very vague because I don't want to give too much away. Um, this one movie kind of dropped in our laps uh, a couple months ago. And I, I, have, I think we've watched it five times since, wow. since maybe December. Um, and not for any other reason other than fuck it, let's do it. Like, <laughs> like you know, you know what you know, like when you you sit on the couch and it's a Friday night and you got a couple beers or whatever, and you're like, all right, how are we going to curate our our evening? You know, yep, and yep. that's the you know the best and worst part about having two you know movie nerds together is that you, there's a wide berth of ideas that you can have. But there's also like what comes first, what comes second, what comes third, what starts the night off right, you know, like what ends the night. And this one movie, like I could literally put in any one of those slots just because it is such a, you know, a rollicking good time. OK. Um, but again, like it, it is not what you're going to expect at all. I've had many people DM me and, you know, I've had 
people reach out and say you either they absolutely know what it's going to be. Nope, I've not. We've not had one person <laughs> who's gonna pivot, ask, you know, okay, has yeah, figured it yeah. out. No one has figured it out. Um, but you know, it, it's it's another thing too that I mean, we're going against Evil Dead Rise, which I, the second I heard that, I'm like, oh man, I wanted to see Evil Dead Rise that night too. <laughs> that said. Evil Dead Rise, which I'm so excited for, yeah. is coming out the next week in like 2000 screens. Right. Whereas yeah. the, the last time this movie has played, um, here, here's a hint. Hey, it, okay, has played, <laughs> it has played at the New Beverly Cinema once in the last two years. Oh, oh. okay. So, so if you want to start, if, if all you fans want to start scouring the calendar and start going like, oh, what could it be? Is it Nashville? No. Um, <laughs> Maybe that I will give another hint too. It is not a suitable flesh. Uh, my new movie Your is new not movie, suitable yeah. flesh. Um, that said, you never know where suitable flesh might pop up in the weekend. I don't know. Oh. We'll see. Wow. Maybe a, maybe a taste of flesh somewhere. Ooh, we'll see. We were guessing that's what it was, but I mean, until this, like, until this conversation, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's what our bi- biggest guess was. I had a that's whole been... bunch of vague questions lined up, like leading to like, may- maybe it's Castle Freak. Like, is does it happen to be written by Dennis Paoli? <laughs> you know, but. Uh... Uh... No, uh, well, well, yeah, I, I, I'm, it maybe it could be, it could be, it could be Castle Freak, it could be Castle Freak, like that's people have been debating what, whether to put the emphasis on Castle or Freak for years. Um, uh, it could be related to one of the movies that um, we're showing the next night, maybe, maybe not. I, I love relishing in the fact that there, of all of the films that we could be playing on Friday night. Uh, I still, I think that I, I would be, I, I will put it down right now. I will give 20 bucks to the person who actually figures it out right now. I will buy them a drink at panic fest. If you show up, if you get it right, I will buy you a drink, give you 20 bucks and fuck it. You can sit next to us. Um, <laughs> but that that's how confident I am that you won't figure it out. You know, like, so we'll, we'll see, you know, but, uh, but yeah, so uh, it has played the new Beverly in the last two years. It is not suitable flesh. Yeah. Um, let me see. I have one more. I'm hint. suddenly Let's like see. a little confident. I'm like, no. Oh, it's it's played at the new Beverly in the last two years. Yeah. I can figure this out. This interview, John's going to go scour old new Beverly calendars. And he's like, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to scour my my own watch list on Letterboxd. Like guaranteed. I've already <laughs> earmarked this movie. So now I'm like, well, fuck, I got to I really want to see Evil Dead Rise. But this seems like an opportunity I can't pass up. Yeah, and if you can even get in, we'll see. You know, but but you know what? Who knows? It might be the situation where the second that we announce what it is, half the crowd leaves. So that could very well happen. (laughs) So just wait by the door. Yeah, just (laughs) if if I can't. When you see when you see the outpour of people who are like, and then everyone banging on the door to Evil Dead Rise, going like, "God, let me in." (laughs) That's a forty experience for Evil Dead Rise. Who knows? You know, even if 10 people stay, I will still be so thrilled to share this movie with an with an audience other than us. You know, that's the thing that I'm most excited about. That was the thing that, um, you know, that got me so jazzed about even showing this in the beginning because it's it's an audience movie. You know, it's a movie that I think you want. You can watch it at home and I'm sure, you know, it's great, but. There is a difference, and I'm sure you guys can agree. Um, there's a difference when you watch in a movie and experience a film at home with just another person 
by yourself at a drive-in when you're in a car. Um, you know, that's a whole experience. And then there's the seeing a movie on a Friday night with a packed house of people. There's the crowd when you see a movie like Evil Dead Rise when no one's ever seen it before. But then that's part of the reason why I love going to the new Beverly Cinema, because in most cases you're seeing a movie that people have seen over and over again. So when you watch like, you know, Blazing Saddles there, or you're seeing like an old Kung Fu film, or um, recently we watched uh, The Last Dragon, which is one of my favorite 80s movies. That whole crowd has seen that movie many times. They're quoting it. It's like a rock show, you know, and that's what's that's what's so beautiful about cinema is that you can have that experience. You can have six different experiences with the same movie. And this is a movie that like I've already had one version of that experience. And God damn it, I can't wait to have that experience with a crowd at Panic Fest on Friday night. Yeah, and they're definitely the right crowd for it. Like Kansas City at Panic, like just the people that come out to Panic Fest, they I wouldn't be, love Friday night movies. Well, that's the thing. I wouldn't be as excited about it if I didn't experience a movie like Surf 2, which is, you know, both cuckoo bananas and you could ostensibly say is a bad movie, you know, but it's a great movie. <laughs> and if the if the crowd was as excited as they were on a Saturday afternoon at 1 p.m. for surf fucking two. I think we're going to have a fucking party where I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like the, just the idea that we're talking about a movie that I, I don't know what it is, is is just kind of like a fun puzzle. My brain wa- keeps wanting to work. It's at. like Schrodinger's film. Oh, yeah, I can't. <laughs> like, what could it be? Yeah, I can't. I can't <laughs> stop asking questions about it. But I mean, like in a general sense, not necessarily talking about the movie you're playing. What makes a great Friday night movie for you? Um, what makes a great Friday night movie for me? Well, that movie next Friday, but <laughs> you'll, you'll get that eventually. No, um, it, it, it really depends on the, the mood, you know, like on a Friday night, especially if you're, you've worked a, a like a hard week and, you know, like you've been hitting, you know, you're hitting the pay, the pavement, you've been, you know, working all week, you're tired. You want to just relax. You know that Saturday you don't have to get up until later or whatever, and you can just kind of unwind. There's a certain type of movie, there's a certain type of tone um, that I think is kind of important when you want to kick the night off, you know, especially like if you have a couple beers, you got a joint or whatever, you know, like you can just kind of ease into the evening. Um, Personally, lately, you know, we've been doing a lot of like kind of real long, like five movie deep movie marathon nights where we but we have to properly curate the the evening so that we you know start out big and then just kind of like by the end we're watching something that we usually it's like a disney movie or spy kids 2 or something like that where we can kind of like all right you know what if i fall asleep at the end of this it's no harm no foul yeah but usually that first movie is something that either one of us hasn't seen um you know that we're introducing the other two um or, or it's something that we just know is like fun and has a particular like energy to it. Like anytime that I think of that first movie on a Friday night, I think of that skeleton that comes out of the ground in Return of the Living Dead and goes, do you want a party? Like that's, <laughs> that's the moment that I want for that first Friday night movie, whether or not yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Return of the Living Dead, which in most cases can always be Return of the Living Dead with yeah. that energy. Um, so it, it's gotta, it's gotta be fun. You know, I think that that's something that you want to kick off the night with something that is going to, um, be lively and be exciting, um, that, that will 
hopefully parlay into something else that because I like recently we've been watching a lot of movies that we've seen before so that we can just talk about it from a technical standpoint. You know, like we we just got off of this movie that we um, that we've been editing. And again, it's hard to not take work out of the situation, but like I'd rather watch a movie like Assault on Precinct 13 that I've seen a million times and sit there and go, well, you know, Carpenter could have cut right there, but you know, he <laughs> didn't cut right there. He actually held on the little girl when the when you know she got splattered with blood from the ice cream cone. And we're like <laughs> explicating moments. That is so much fun. I would much rather be, you know, an old-fashioned deep watching, you know, how pre- like precise some of the edits in full metal jacket are you know or how you know um oh my god like recently we watched um that this movie called come and see which is this anti-war film uh you know from like 1985 and now we didn't watch it on a friday but (laughs) we watched it and you know and i love being able to talk about these kind of movies you know from a you know both a an experiential side but also from a technical side and you know, being able to break something like that down. Now that by that said, don't watch Come and See on a Friday night. Just putting that out there. But <laughs> vibe killer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, your your night is done. Um, <laughs> but looking at um, you know some of the other movies now, I have to go to my letterbox too and just see like what some of the other uh, some of the other Friday night movies that we've watched uh, recently because I you know like we we take great pride in what movies that we we try to like you know fill up our evening with um oh okay uh so something like um 10 to midnight the uh charles bronson uh slasher pot boiler if you've never seen that i one. haven't yeah oh man like there was this time when everybody was trying to get in on the slasher uh trend so you had guys like charlie bronson making a movie with canon where it's you know charles bronson and a naked killer in LA. They <laughs> clash 10 to midnight. It makes no sense why it's called that. Doesn't matter. Or um uh was it Chuck Norris did one called The Hero and the Terror. Same fucking thing. It's wow. kick-ass you know, uh, Chuck uh, Chuck Norris versus some sweaty killer, you know. What that a double like, feature. <laughs> actually, that is a damn good double feature. Um but like recently, we um for my birthday uh, last weekend, we did a, a marathon night. Happy belated. And, um, yeah, happy belated. Thank you very much. Well, it was a very good night because of these movies. Here, here is here is a perfect Friday night at our place, especially for my birthday. Ready? <clears throat> we started off with John Woo's Hard Target. Oh yeah, hell yeah! Which Becca had never seen before. So, but again, I had seen it many times. So I, just, I, could I quote, just showed Kim Time Cop. She's like on the verge of getting into Jean-Claude Van Damme. I'm falling into it. <laughs> Wait, trust me, you haven't seen a movie like Hard Target where you have John Woo produced by Sam Raimi, decimated by the studio. Bob Murawski edited heard. the guy who did um, uh, Grindhouse Releasing, who owns Grindhouse Releasing. He, uh, he cut the movie um, with Jean-Claude Van Damme with the greasiest mullet uh, and, and it has a line like, so take your big stick and your boyfriend and find the next bus to catch. <laughs> no, poetry. And it's got the doves and the flying index cards and all the oh, crossfades. Yeah. But we can watch a movie like that and have fun, but also be able to go, 
wow, that looks like a 48 frame cross cross dissolve. <laughs> Fucking nice. You know, that, that's, that, that's, that's what it's like when you're sitting on the couch watching a movie with us. Um, then, and again, these, these were movies because it was my birthday and I wanted to feel both young and old. These were movies <laughs> that I had seen uh, and, and loved as a kid, yeah. whether they held up or not is totally questionable. Uh, but then we, we followed up hard target with the garbage pail kids movie. Okay. Uh, which if you haven't Classic. seen, mm, mm, yeah, sure. <laughs> like I remember it as a kid and it was one of those like, okay, you know, John Beekler did the effects. That's really cool. There's a, there's a troll homage in the background and everything. Uh, could I tell you the plot? Then again, it's the garbage pail kids, the movie. There's yeah, yeah, no yeah. plot. They're fucking trading cards. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's it's fine. Then much to the chagrin of uh, my good friend, Bobcat Goldthwait, and I can say that we watched hot to trot the talking horse movie with John Candy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which which is a you know, why the, haven't I heard of this? Wait, you haven't heard of Hot to Trot? No, and I fucking it's, love John Candy. <laughs> it's ready. Three Canadian, three quick know. things. So uh, yeah. Bobcat Goldthwait was on a a, uh, a high from probably very high uh, from the popularity of the uh, Police Academy movies. Oh, so yeah. and and also uh, One Crazy Summer. So like he had his moment. You know, this was his fifteen minutes. So they threw him into this talking horse movie. That was originally voiced by Elliot Gould. <laughs> and I believe weeks before the movie came out, what? <laughs> they decided to change the voice and wow. put John Candy in the voice. They didn't even credit him. John Candy didn't wow. want to be credited in the oh, movie. So, okay. the, so on the poster, it doesn't even say John Candy. It says Don the Horse oh. as, as himself. <laughs> but it is, <laughs> it is a talking horse movie with Bobcat Goldthwait and John Candy. It's a must see. It's a movie oh, that yeah. I watched every other day on because it was on it every other day on HBO. So yeah. that one, yeah, that one held up pretty well, actually. Okay, good. Uh, then uh Break Into Electric Boogaloo. Yeah, classic. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Funny enough, if you listen to some of these titles, they might actually give you little hints as to what the choice was for the movie that we're showing next Friday. Just yeah. saying. Yeah, we're opening um, your brain like a can of soup right now. We're just seeing the rest of the much. ingredients. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Break Into Electric Boogaloo, mainly because it's the movie that got me into breakdancing, uh, which also got me in trouble years later, but that's another story over drinks, I'll tell you, in Kansas okay. City. Um, <laughs> I will follow uh, up on that. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it, gets, it gets dark. Um, and then finally... <laughs> the breakdancing story gets dark. Okay. Oh, it, trust me, it gets dark. And then finally, because we both went, oh my God, you love this movie too? Which is one of the best things. I'm sure that you guys have experienced that before, but that's when you know true love. When you can have the, <laughs> like a moment where you go, wait a second, wait a second. You like that movie too? Fuck, we got to put that on now. <clears throat> and it's one I'm probably going to lose a couple followers for. Uh, the original High School Musical. Wow. Oh, yeah, okay. And that's mainly now, but here's here's where it turns back into the horror realm. And this is how I actually justified it to myself when we were watching it at four in the morning. Uh, when I, I don't know if, if you guys remember this movie called Animals. It was a movie that um, it was a werewolf movie that came out years ago. Uh, and one of the writers was um, Craig Spector. Craig Spector was one of the original splatter punks from the 80s. John Skip and Craig Spector were like, along with like Doug Winter and Craig and Clive Barker, they were the godfathers of literary splatterpunk. 
Okay. And they wrote uh, a bunch of different books, The Light at the End. Um, they they wrote the original script for Nightmare on Elm Street Part 5. Mm-hmm. Um, they also wrote one of my favorite books of all time called The Bridge, uh, which is this like eco-horror splatter masterpiece. It's, it's great. Okay. But those guys were like total punk rock, total fucking heavy metal. They were badasses. They split up years later. And then, um, but I got in touch with Craig Spector. I went over his house. Uh, because I wanted him to, I wanted to work on one of his books. I think it was The Bridge at the time. And he was working on this movie, Animals, and half the cast of that Animals movie was in High School Musical. <laughs> at the time, I was casting um, Knights of Bad Astem, and he's like, oh man, you got to check out High School Musical. Everybody in that movie is going to be a fucking star. <laughs> so I went home and I watched it and went, holy shit, this movie's pretty fucking good. You know, so, <laughs> I, I never thought I would admit that. Uh, but then it, again, it was like four in the morning. We were drunk and we we're just like fucking high school musical. Let's go. <laughs> and that, and that is how, uh, that's how that, that's basically how our night ended. But that's, that's great. Again, it's like our movie marathons. We try to take pride in how you curate those evenings because you, you know, like, one movie will put you in a kind of crappy mood and then you want to like liven things up or something is just like so much fun that you want. And you know, you want to be able to talk through the next movie. So you put in a movie that you've seen a million times, you yeah, know? Yep, yep. So it's, it, it's, it's an art form. It's definitely an art form. One of the, one of the weirdest, and we didn't we're do this the ourselves. Same, we're the same way though with, the, oh, yeah. with the vibe chasing. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, we don't usually plan out the whole night, but we definitely plan out what the first movie is going to be. I don't know if you yeah, because that's sure. that's the one that sets things off. Like, yeah. it, like depending on the mood that you're in, you want to have a movie that's at least going to it's like a, it's being a DJ. It's finding out those yeah. first two songs that, you know, will kind of blend together. The beats will kind of sync up with each other. And then after that, you kind of want to feel the audience out. You want to, you know, is the dance floor really rocking? Do they want some more, you know, disco or do they want new wave or do they want some punk rock or do they want some heavy metal? Yeah. Like, you got to kind of go with the flow. If you're just being like, all right, I'm going to give them all the hits. <laughs> and, or if you predict that, like, oh, you know, by the third movie, we might want to kind of Schindler's list this shit. <laughs> that, that has never happened. Ever. No, it's <laughs> never. <laughs> that is never. No. And it never will. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's definitely something that you have to feel the audience and feel each other out and, and go like, okay, you know, what, what's next. And that's part of the excitement of it. You never know where the night's going to go. Yeah. Yeah. One weird thing that we do, uh, like we're doing a movie marathon, like our Friday night is John will curate like a trailer reel ahead of each film. So if it's 1986, we'll watch like a bunch of commercials from 1986, like what they would, what, what the Coke commercial looked like in 1986, what the the theater preview was like, what the, like, don't smoke in the theater. If I get real nerdy, I try and go with like, I find the distribution for the movie we were going to watch and then I just find more movies from the same distributor in the, in the exact same year. year. So it's like, this I do is what that. I probably, yeah, you do that too. Yeah. I, well, um, so every every month uh, on the movie Crypt, we do uh, a live um, event at the end of the month called Slumber Party Massacre where we watch a movie with the audience. And every month, Adam and I like trade back and forth. We do a pre-show that plays right before. Right on. And we do exactly that. I do, I put like old you know, old commercials on there, old theater bumpers on there, yep. the trailers like this last month we did Pet Cemetery, So it was 
um, Animal Attacks and Stephen, like obscure Stephen King movies, like The Mangler 2 and <laughs> Cell and like all, but oh, then Cell. mixed in with, <laughs> mixed in with like Zombievers and like weird Purina cat commercials from yeah. the 80s and stuff like that. But then mixed in with, you know, like all those great theater bumpers that like, yeah. that we, when we would go to the theater and be like, oh man, I miss like. I'm sick of Nicole Kidman. Like I want to see a bunch, <laughs> a bunch of dancing popcorn dudes telling yeah. me to go get some concessions riding yeah. on a roller coaster that looks like it was made in 1986 CG. Like I miss all that <laughs> shit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same exact way. We got to, I mean, I got, I, I've got more questions about, you know, uh, programming that, you know, hypothetical programming that we all like to do, but I, I really don't want to waste an opportunity to ask you about your new movie. Um, when, you know, when I think of you, like I think of you as a horror filmmaker, but you know, you, you haven't always done horror. How does it feel to come back to horror? It feels fucking great. Um, and, and not only to come back to horror, but, um, to come back to a very specific type of horror, but at the same time, go into places that I've never gone to before as a filmmaker, as a storyteller, like the, the thing that I loved about this particular script, um, uh, which is Suitable Flesh, which was originally based on uh, the uh, Lovecraft short story, The Thing on the Doorstep, was the the lineage involved. And that includes, um, you know, Brian Usna is one of our producers who produced, obviously, Reanimator and From Beyond and directed Society and was in that whole Lovecraft, that, that empire pictures charlie band you know Stuart gordon world dennis paoli who wrote those movies as well wrote the script dame barbara crampton who was the you know producer and then eventually we coerced her to be in the film as well and yes. she's oh, right on great. <laughs> um so when they presented that to me you know this was me coming off of this kind of bigger budget action film and all i mean when i was on the set of that movie all i kept thinking of was fuck, where's my gallon of blood sitting next to my director's <laughs> chair? Like, like I was pining for the ability to go back into the, the genre that I've always loved forever. And that's, you know, been really great to me. And I love being able to kind of tell stories in that genre. So I was looking for the right thing. And this script came along and, uh, and I was so excited about it. Um, and then COVID hit and then we had some yeah. time to really kind of play with it a little bit and then to be able to finally put it on screen, but do it in a way that um, I don't think anyone's going to expect. Like if you know the story, the thing on the doorstep, um, our approach to it is uh, very different than what you'd expect. Um, I don't want to give too much away, but um, when you look at the cast, you know, we have Heather Graham and Barbara Crampton. Uh, Judah Lewis, the kid from The Babysitter, uh, oh, he's yeah, all yeah. grown up now, let me tell you that. Um, <laughs> but it it harkened back to something that um, I learned a lot about myself, if anything, in those last couple of years. And, you know, and some of the things that I missed from cinema that I was getting recently. And this is no slight on movies that, that have come out in the past couple of years, but, you know, there's a certain desire that we have for movies, whether it was back in the day or just films. I, I look, I love watching provocative films. I love watching movies that um, press buttons that are dangerous. And, you know, the second you say, Oh, this movie's dangerous. You're, you're provoking someone to say like, well, fuck you, pal. Don't tell me what's dangerous because <laughs> everyone's got different tastes, yeah. but I miss films that tried to provoke and, and to be a little on the edgy side. And, 
this was an opportunity with this particular script for us to really play with Lovecraft, really play with um, the themes that are in the, the original story, but do it in a way that I feel is incredibly um, modern for today's audience, for today's purview on everything from sex to gender politics, you know, but more importantly, like I, I miss being able to watch a movie and, and have it and, and be kind of pushed a little bit mm-hmm. and also just be fucking horny. God damn it. Like there's not <laughs> enough horny movies out there. And this was an opportunity to do something that I've always wanted to do, um, you know, to kind of push myself as a filmmaker and a storyteller was to do a movie um, that that was incredibly horny. Um, I've okay. never done it before. Anytime that I've had, you know, sex scenes in movies, um, you know, they've been a little bit on the fleeting side and there, there's, there is a fascination with the erotica, especially in films that came out between like the eighties and nineties. Like oh, I'm yeah. so excited on the criterion collection uh, channel. The right yeah. <laughs> Let me just tell you that half of the movies, if not more were movies that we um, <clears throat> watched uh, <laughs> while doing uh, research for this movie. And, uh, you know, and, and the, look, there is a certain aesthetic to those movies, whether, you know, like, cause look, these days, you know, you can go to any porn site and you can see very harshly, you know, lit, uh, you know, scenes of fornication that are not very stylistic. Um, you know, there, there's just not a lot of fun. There's not, they're not very sexy. And, you know, gone are the days where you could with obviously, you know, making sure that everyone is comfortable on set and all that. But there is um, eroticism seems to have been missing. And that was something that we felt like here's an opportunity to do something with this story that allows us to play in those worlds as worlds as well. And, you know, and everybody was really game for that. Everyone was really cool with like the the kind of changes we wanted to make with the um, with the original text, but also to play in that Lovecraft world, because I like when perfect example, Reanimator to me is a perfect example of that and from beyond as well of that kind of dangerous, erotic genre cinema that I feel is missing. You know, yeah, and from Stuart beyond, Gordon, especially, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, both. That's what I'm so excited about being able to show from beyond at Panic Fest on Saturday night. Yeah, because I, I don't think like when you watch that movie, you know, you're gonna have a couple people squirming in their seats in the best way possible, <laughs> like because they're gonna go, man, it, I, I feel kind of funky down there, and yeah, I don't, I'm not in front of a laptop. You know, well, this like, is this horny is, and scary. <laughs> yes. Well, you got Barbara Crampton coming down with you to introduce it as well, right? That's going to add a layer. So, so yeah, so we're, you know, we're going to be introducing the movie. We're going to do a and a in between. And then afterwards, Ted Gagan's going to k- take over with, we are still here. So it's, uh, it's, right it's a Crampton sandwich, if you yeah. will. Um, and, and all I will say is this, you're definitely going to want to be sticking around for that Q and a in between wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Huh? Um, Maybe we'll see. I don't know. I, I, I'm going to have to, you know, convince some powers that be. We'll see. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, that was something that I was um, always really excited about with this script and and making this movie. And um, you know, I wanted to kind of pay homage to a lot of the filmmakers that I always felt knew how to um, to balance uh, genre and erotica, um, in, in really intriguing ways, Mo- uh, most specifically, uh, Brian De Palma and, uh, and Stuart Gordon, the, those two directors specifically, 
knew how to make things both scary and horny um, and, and do and play with cinema in ways that were, you know, incredibly stylish, um, you know, use the camera, use the editing, use the performers and create this tapestry of, of different genres that really ex excite people both up here and down there. <laughs> That's what we were going for. Well, damn, man, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't That's be more cinema, excited. Though. Though. Yeah. Right. <laughs> To, to get it to just like turn on like a knife's edge yeah yeah erotic hp lovecraft gory th thriller sound well, horror and it's sound. a body swap movie too well fuck <gasps> damn yeah no that, i mean that was the that was what attra attracted me the most to it when i first read the script because i knew the story and i knew that it was like one of the first body swap stories that i had ever heard of that's not true I saw enough '80s body swap movies like Eighteen Again and like Father Like Son and vice versa. Yeah, where I, I I knew the tropes, but I was like, wow, he was writing about that shit back then. Like, I mean, that's that's the beauty of Lovecraft was that he's kind of like um, that character in South Park that would be like Simpsons did it, you know? Like, <laughs> there was some some honestly, Lovecraft in one form or another was besting a lot of the contemporaries today with a lot of these old stories and i think that's what still makes him so relevant is that he was delving into those ideas back in the 20s and and like and but all you and you have to be smart about it because you know if you delve into enough lovecraft you also know that you know he had some very uh yeah he was very opinionated in certain <laughs> ways you know so you know, there there's some things in this movie that I think, um, you know, are very respectful, not just to Lovecraft, but especially Stuart Gordon and Dennis and Brian and Barbara's version of that, that we all grew up with, like from Reanimator and From Beyond. There's very respectful to that, um, that version of Lovecraft. And maybe it might actually be part of a Miskatonic verse, if you will. Oh, we'll see. Uh but also there are things in it that I wouldn't be surprised if Lovecraft would be spinning in his grave over <laughs> how we played with those themes as well. So, Good. yeah, I mean, it, it, look, it's, <laughs> I don't know if, you know, like we're, we're so we're finishing up the movie now, um, like literally like we're still going through um, coloring and VFX and everything. So hopefully it'll Thursday. be done. <laughs> Shit. Okay. I got to go guys. Bye. Um, but yeah, like like we're we're on the last legs of it uh, right now, and uh, I'm just really excited for people to see it finally because it's been it's been a bit of a long road finally getting it like you know from script to screen to you guys. Um, but hopefully, uh, hopefully someone digs it. Well, man, I we're we're really excited to check it out. I'm sure everybody at Panic Fest is gonna love it whenever they get a chance to see. I it was like, wait, I, I'm, you're not baiting me into this, pal. <laughs> not happening. We'll no. see. We'll we'll take it in whatever condition it's in. You just put it in a briefcase and bring it on down to the theater. Um, I'm just gonna put it. You know what? I'm just gonna put it on my phone and I'm just gonna sit. Hobby <laughs> and everybody just be like, here you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> check this shit out. This is crazy. That's oh, that's all you get. Well, before we let you go, you know, we like to ask everybody. I kind of feel like we've inadvertently done this like the entire time, but we like to ask everybody what their what their dream drive-in double feature would be. If you could okay. play any two movies at the drive-in, what would well, you play? I'm a fan of the show, so I know the question. And it's one of those like, oh boy, if I ever get the chance to get asked this, I know what I'm going to say. And then I ran into a quandary because uh, there's just too many great options, especially like when you have to think about what's your A movie and what's your B movie. So... I'm going to say we're going to 
put this into one of those drive-ins that has four screens and I now have control of the projection in the center and I can play whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> and, uh, and and I'm going to have now four choices for each each screen. Um, this is the mad scientist configuration. <laughs> well, you know, like I did this movie um, like years, God, almost 11 years ago called uh, Chillerama, which Hell was yeah. this- um, I fucking love that uh, movie. Anthology. <laughs> uh, thank you. Well, but you know, like I- I, that was one of the like first times that I had a script that came that poured out of me in like one night, for better or for worse. Um, but I've I've grown up at the drive-in. I've I've loved the drive-in like my entire life. I you know like I cherish the experience. We just had a drive-in close here in L.A. Um, the Mission Tiki that um, oh. was kind of like for during COVID, it was the only theater that was open. So it was like my, wow. my lifeblood. Like I've got, we've gone many times to it since. And we were actually, uh, Becca and I were actually at the very last show Aww. before it closed the next day. We went to go see that movie plane, uh, fun oh, movie. Yeah. It was actually a very good drive-in movie, but it was so bittersweet because it was like now, Tomorrow it's going to get bulldozed and it's going to be an Amazon shipping facility. Oh which, fuck! Oh, that hurts. I think we saw House of Gucci there. We saw that at Vineland. Oh. <laughs> well, the Vineland is good. The only problem is, like we were talking before, um, their projection sometimes so sucks. Dark. It, it's it's a little dark. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We went to go see Peninsula there, the train to Busan two, and it was so dark I had no clue what the fuck was going on. But <laughs> we also shot Chillerama there, so I have a lot oh, of. Cool. Um, I, I have my, my heart goes out to it anyway. Yeah. Being, being like in that projection room and being like the controller, like Cecil Kaufman, Richard Reilly's character in Chillerama being able to like, Oh my God, I have everyone's uh, attention right now. And I can put on whatever the fuck I want. Like, <laughs> like a mad scientist. <laughs> so, okay. So I've, I've carefully curated what these are going to be. And there, there was a lot of factors involved. I won't bore you with all of them, but let's just say <laughs> that there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of internal discussions as I was driving to work in the last couple of days going, oh, what movie should go with what? <laughs> um, so on screen one, uh, the A movie is going to be Chuck Russell's The Blob uh okay. because that's the movie that made me want to make movies and i've seen it at the mission tiki they played it uh for, with beyond fest a couple years ago and it just it plays like gangbusters mainly because it's got a little bit of everything it's got screams it's got laughs one of the things you always have to think of when you're curating a drive-in movie is how many honks you get um <laughs> you want to have a lot of moments where you can flash your lights and honk your horn and everything and there's at least the chuck russell's the blob is a five honker <laughs> it's definitely a five honker um because there's at least five moments where you're going to go like holy shit or oh my god they killed a kid you know or like yeah get him kevin dylan with the mullet uh and that that movie just kills you know it's a little on the dark side um meaning like you know it's it, it plays a little dark because it's you know it's a darker movie when we get to the end but still yeah. awesome and then um the b movie would be the blues brothers john lance's blues brothers. oh yeah okay. i always feel like you need a second movie because sometimes the B movie ends up being like the crappier movie, you know, or the like the movie that like you're expecting people to leave. I want to keep motherfuckers there. I want them <laughs> to still flow. Exactly. And <laughs> you want movies that are going to have music and a great pace to it. And the Blues Brothers has everything in a bag of chips, especially yep. that last 20 minutes. 
especially with all the car crashes. Yeah, I was going to say, it's got a hundred car crashes. Yeah. <laughs> it's got everything. And the music, like, I love it when we go to the drive-in and you can roll down the window and it's almost like you get this weird stereoscopic sound yeah. because the music is coming from everybody's car. It's it's such a delightful experience. that, And Blues Brothers is perfect for that. So that's on screen one. Okay. To our right, we have screen <laughs> two. And that is playing to, I'm calling that the maximum high octane screen and that is playing uh the first movie is uh phil joano's three o'clock high which uh if you haven't seen it is um a remake of high noon set in a high school uh it's fucking fantastic it's got a an amazing pace um phil joano is um kind of um what's the word uh groomed if you will to be the next spielberg by spielberg himself oh and the, and the movie is shot by barry sonnenfeld it's uh your, your oh, basic fuck. uh kid have you guys seen it before i've seen i haven't seen it since i was a kid but it's uh there's a new blu-ray that came out and you will have a whole new appreciation it's a high okay. school after hours if you've ever seen martin scorsese's after hours yeah, there's yeah. a certain kind of like tone and energy and pace and this is basically a kid who gets uh, called out by the by the the new bully in school to fight him at three o'clock and it it will keep your heart pumping that one's a four hunker for sure <laughs> the second movie on that bill is stephen king's maximum overdrive because oh, that movie is that's so John's fucking john John's sold on two <laughs> that movie is just so batshit crazy and i have so many fucking stories about that that i will likely be like outside so i've seen the movie a million times telling everybody about all the coke addled stories that that I heard about that movie <laughs> from people who worked on that film. Oh, that's great. And and also, it's got an amazing score by ACDC. Right. So again, music is driving that film, no pun, is driving the film <laughs> and it's just so batshit crazy that like even if you're just totally stoned, you can kind of follow along enough and it's, <laughs> it, and you just crank the music up and you watch Emilio Estevez bazooka that fucking green truck and you're yep. good. Yeah. That's definitely um, the screen that's got the backwards trucks with all the teens in oh, yeah. their sleeping bags. Oh, outside. yeah. <laughs> yep. Beers and ACDC. Okay. <laughs> so for the uh, for the lovers in the uh, in the crowd, um, I'm going with the uh, the back one so that like, you know, like if anyone wants to fuck in the back, you know, like that can be screen three. That's all <laughs> yeah. the way in the back. Uh, that's going to be the first movie is going to be Jonathan Demi's Something Wild which is one of the most wonderful, offbeat, sexy movies of the 80s. It stars Jeff Daniels and Melanie Griffith and Ray Liotta's first movie. Now, oh, the reason why I program that is that it is so sweet and loving. You have, it's a it's a meet-cute movie in the beginning, and then it turns into the Texas Chainsaw Massacre by the end. <laughs> it is. Have you guys seen it before? No. There's a small chance we have it on VHS in the house, okay. but we haven't seen it you're welcome when you watch it. <laughs> okay. Trust me, because the one thing that, that people forget about a little bit when, when it comes to um, drive-in movies is that like when people go to the drive-in, like they want to get a little horny, you know? So that's a movie that gets really horny. And then by the time you're done and you're like, oh, fuck, we might as well get some more popcorn and get some soda, whatever. Uh, then you watch the rest of that movie and it's a fucking nightmare. It's great. Okay. But then, then you want something that's going to, you know, keep keep people there and it, I wanted to go with something with music and that's where you go into Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon which is kung fu music rap it's got everything you know yeah. and that that's something where it'll keep the energy going well past you guys hooking up in the back seat <laughs> um 
And then for the uh, for the older crowd or the nostalgic crowd, that's the left screen. And uh, I wanted to go to something retro. So on the left screen, on screen four, first movie up is Dazed and Confused. Richard Linklater's Dazed and Confused because it's a hangout movie. Hell that's yeah. where all the potheads can go and they can, you know, smoke up and they can have a good time and, you know, and just enjoy Linklater's like ultimate hangout movie. You know, like that's a perfect way to just kind of go, okay, we're we're good. Yeah. And you can and start then, that one early, like when the sun's setting. That's the perfect <laughs> time. Yeah, exactly. And then to keep that kind of vibe going and still keep the hangout going, I went with uh, George Lucas's American Graffiti because the music is great. It's a little more upbeat. Um, and it's just I, I think it's just a beautiful movie. And uh, I would I would maybe uh, like either switch those two because I think American Graffiti plays really well, like as the sun goes down, too. So that one mm-hmm. can be swapped either way. But yeah. both of those movies are they revel in the music and in the nostalgia. It's a much sweeter kind of vibe. And that one, people can kind of chill with that one a little bit. But yes, so that's all four screens. I got them all covered. And that hopefully that is the ultimate drive-in night, as per me. That's tough. I Yeah, I, I mean, I'm probably not skipping an opportunity to see Maximum Overdrive on the big, at a drive-in. Damn, something wild, though. That sounds good. Yeah, like- I'm telling you, like, that that, that movie will wreck you. It's actually- um, the Criterion Collection put out a Blu-ray of something wild a couple of years ago, and okay. it, it will make you reappreciate how amazing a director Jonathan Demme was. Um, you know, like, you know, there was a world of John Jonathan Demme movies, like in his Corman days, and when he was making movies in the eighties, like Married to the Mob and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> before he did, um, you know, before he became an important filmmaker with Sons of the Lambs, <laughs> I, I personally. Something Wild is maybe my favorite Jonathan Demme movie, and it's it's a movie that I we go back to all the time as just being one of the like weirdest genre blenders out there. Because okay. you re- seriously like it's like audition where you think from the first half of the movie you're watching something possibly sweet and maybe even romantic, and then someone switches the channel and Texas Chainsaw Massacre's on. <laughs> okay, there you go. That sounds amazing. You've given us like such a great watch list. Like we're going to have to listen back to this and scroll down all the movies we haven't seen. Well, you you better hurry up because we got a week before Panic Fest. So I'm going to be asking you. you We got to talk about all of those. (laughs) We'll study up. You color your movie. We'll meet next week. (laughs) Done. And we'll we'll reconvene at Kansas City for what could be the best Panic Fest yet, I hear. I am so stoked. It's going to be such a blast. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for awesome. taking the time to talk to us. Can't wait to can't wait to party with you at Panic Fest. Oh, my God. I can't wait to see you guys again. And uh, yeah, if anyone uh, is listening or watching or whatever, hang out with us. It's Panic Fest. No holes barred. Yeah. We're not watching No Holds Barred. I, trust me, <laughs> that's not the movie. Definitely not the movie. Or, or is it? Hmm. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you again to Joe Lynch for taking the time to talk to us today on the podcast. Uh, head over to nofspodcast.com to see all of our continued coverage from Panic Fest 2023. We're going to be here. Uh, we're going to be here until we decide to go home. <laughs> we're never leaving. If you're a fan of Nightmare on Film Street and you want more content, apart from reviews, more episodes, 
cool stuff like that, head over to our Fiend Club on Patreon. You can get some exclusive content in exchange for supporting the show. That is at nofspodcast.com slash fiendclub. And if you can't support us financially right now, that's totally cool. We absolutely get it. If you can please just leave us a five-star review, rating, uh, thumbs up, wherever you're listening to this podcast, that really helps the show. Yeah, you can also watch the video version of this podcast on our YouTube channel. Yeah, uh, and subscribe to that as well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're going to be back next week with another regular episode of the podcast. I believe we are moving into Universal Classic Monster Territory. Sorry, there's a woman Mo- over what? here just, like, tapping the rust on her car. Okay. I, I check in it, making sure it's sound. That's right, we cover horror movies, and we also people watch all the weirdos in the parking lot. When you record from a parking lot. Okay, well, anyway, that's it for us this week. I'm John. That's a really interesting wig. I'm Kim. (laughs) Stay Stay creepy. She's accosting a little dog. (laughs) Oh, no, that dog sounds cool with it. It appears you made it out alive, but we'll get you next time. Help us to grow the horde. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. More terror can be found lurking on our website, nofspodcast.com. Until next time, stay creepy, fiends. (laughs) 